Astounding, fantastic adventure awaits you in a land of terrifying thrills, where maddened mastodons wage warfare to the death as the earth shakes on its axis. Everybody, listen carefully. The Martians are coming this way. We must evacuate the city. Take food and water and extra clothing with you. You are no longer in control of your listening device. Can't you see that you're at the mercy of every element of the universe? Rick and Ryan will take you on a science fiction cinematic journey into the post-atomic space age. I'm not going to cooperate with these monsters. We found a flying saucer. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think something is happening. A chronological deep dive into the past. Holy cow. Put on your magnetic boots. Let's go. And strap yourselves in for your ride with... The, the Unidentified, Unidentified Flying, Flying Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Rick. And uh, we've got another episode of the uh, Unidentified Flying Podcast for you. But before we get started, um, Ryan would like to make a little announcement. Go on. I do want to uh, take a moment up front here to uh, make a correction. Last episode we did, I accidentally messed up the release dates on a couple of the movies. And what we're trying to do here, as we stated last episode, is we want to go year by year, movie by movie. And by doing that, we want to make sure we talk about these in order of release date. So... If you go back to 1950, The Flying Saucer, starring Conrad Mickle, written by Conrad Mickle, produced by Conrad Mickle. No, it's Mickle Conrad. Starring Conrad Mickle. It's, no, it's Mickle Conrad. Um, that is the first science fiction movie released in 1950. Then followed by Rocket Ship XM and Destination Moon. So I, re- I regret the mistake. It's because um, Chicken Scratch is actually more legible than my handwriting. So I just basically read the wrong date. Got those screwed up. It will never happen again. I promise throughout the rest of this podcast, no matter how many seasons we do, I will never make another mistake. You have my word on that. Bullshit or not? (sighs) Good. Glad we got that out of the way. Botfried, what's our movie, pal? 1951's. Two Lost Worlds. Directed by Norman Dawn, written by Tom Hubbard, Phyllis Parker, Boris Petrov, and Bill Shaw. Starring James Arness and Casey Rogers. Released on January 5th, 1951. What is Two Lost Worlds about, Rick? Man, I I don't know. It's a lot of okay. Basically, there's. Uh, well, I was I was still gonna tell the thing, but I was oh, just okay. So what were you asking me for? I, okay, I don't know, Ryan. Tell me. Two Lost World tells the story of uh, a ship who is bound for somewhere, yeah. delivering cargo of some sort, and they get attacked by pirates. Yeah, they get attacked by pirates. They get attacked by pirates, so they pull up to the nearest island, which happens to be in Australia, 
They leave the captain behind. Well, he's not the captain, but they leave James Arness behind. Yeah. And James Arness, while while there, he falls in love with a woman and becomes kind of like, you know, a local celebrity. Um, yeah. And then eventually the pirates find the island. They attack. They kidnap a couple of women. The men have a seriously, ridiculously long debate about whether they should even go after the women or not. Yeah. kind of kind of decide to do so they take off after the women a huge in the um, and then the ships meet there's a big pirate battle in the ocean both ships collapse and the survivors end up on an island that is inhabited by dinosaurs <laughs> and adventure ensues not at all first of all the dinosaurs are on the cover but this movie with a with a runtime of 61 minutes the, 61 the whole dinosaurs minutes. show up at 58 minutes <laughs> yes and there is approximately 2 minutes of dinosaur footage and, in this entire film and it's it's not even just the dinosaur stuff but the pirate battle stuff and the dinosaur stuff are all from another other movies <laughs> so it's like yep. There's nothing new that you because I was watching it going, I swear I've seen this footage in color before or like in other, you know, yeah. it's like this is the same. It's like that wasn't this movie. I swear that was a different movie that had this footage. But sure enough, that's why all the prehistoric stuff like the dinosaurs fighting the some of the landscape shots, the volcano that erupts at the end. All of those are actually taken from the 1940 film, One Million B.C. Yes. And a lot of movies have recycled this footage. Yeah. This may have been one of the first. I actually don't know. Don't 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 care. Quote me on that. But and then I'm not sure where the the other footage came in. The pirates. I read it somewhere, but I can't. Rem I, I should have wrote it down, but it did come from another. Well. There's not a whole lot about this movie online, probably for good reason. I'm sure there's people out there that know, but I couldn't find much information other than I gather from what I've read. This was a failed TV series. Okay. And they spliced two episodes together and released it as a feature film. Now, there's no record that I could find that this show ever appeared on TV. So I think they just realized it was bad because it's bland and said, screw it. Let's put these two episodes together and release it. And then they added some really bad narration. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about the narration, the narration that never stops. The story of this vessel is a vital chapter of America's rise to prominence in that era. The historical hour of the clipper ships. Laden with American goods, the queenly vessel slipped from this the harbor to which she would bring back the treasure the pirates of the Orient. Four days later, she rose the island. In the morning, the immediate... No, I think narration's there just to explain what's going on because they it knows you're asleep. Because the rest... Because it's yeah. so boring. And... There's a, you know, a little bit of love tension between, you know, James Arness and the the woman because there's a guy who 
you know, supposed to be marrying the woman. So there's this uh, back and forth between them. And meanwhile, everybody and their grandma wants a piece of James Arness. The way he smokes. The way he smokes. It's the way he holds it, Elaine. Oh, and the way he walks. The way he walks? Yes, he limps a little. He limps? The way he limps, Elaine. I don't care if he does limp. I think he's great. Janice! I don't care. I'm going to marry Mr. Hamilton. You're what? Why not? After all, I'm almost ten years old. Janice, aren't you ashamed to talk about a man like that? Oh, you girls are old-fashioned. <laughs> I As far as any romantic tension or storyline, it's so uninteresting. It's like you're watching this, a movie that is definitely a romance movie for 55 minutes. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and yeah. like lava is flowing over people that are like, ah! and they're falling into yeah. caverns. And at one point the iguanas, cause this is like one of the classic movies where, you know, the, the dinosaur footage is, it is just giant, it's just lizards that they have superimposed that are fighting each other. It's and an stuff. iguana and an alligator, um, or a, a caiman. In a, in a, yeah, a, a, an alligator with like, isn't it? No, it, it's an alligator with like, I swear those are like. They just glued, they glued fins to the back. It, of I it. was going to say, those are fake fins, right? Yeah. Yeah, they tried to make it resemble a, I believe it's a dimetrodon by gluing a fin to its back. Yeah. Here's a good ch good time to talk about this. Warning! 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 We should probably let you all know that this is basically animal abuse. <laughs> like they Yeah, I was going to say they're fighting bad. In this movie it, it is controversial for that like not only this movie, but 1 million BC from which that footage was taken. Yeah. Was actually had to be censored in some countries that had harsher rules about animal abuse on film. Not only did they sick these two reptiles to fight each other to the death, they actually did some shitty things on set to make them fight. They raised the temperature uh, because they're reptiles, so they got them really, you know, heated up. They pissed him off and angry. And pissed him off and angry. And then they break the set apart to resemble an earthquake and basically crush the animals with rocks. Um, so I'm just letting you know this. It may bother some people because I I am pretty sure both of these reptiles well, died. Well, the alligator literally, like, bites down on the the Gila yeah. monster at one point, like it's like, they're really iguana. fighting the iguana. They're like really fighting, you know, it's yeah. Like, well, that's what I mean. They, they purposely instigated these animals to do it. And so caveat, if that kind of thing bothers you, yeah, it does bother me in a lot of these old movies and I really don't like it. Obviously I can't erase history and it exists. And we've seen that footage our whole life, you know, really, because it's been and they'll use it. They use that footage in Amazon Women on the Moon, you know, in, in yeah. small doses. It's, it's it's very, very classic recycled mm -hmm. footage. But just keep in mind, there is a yeah. dark side to it. Uh, so if that bothers you, then you probably won't want to watch at least the last 20 minutes of the no, movie. Five, no, two minutes. Um, that's the only, they're only well, in that movie yeah, but for they, two minutes. Yeah, but they... 
Yeah, they skip. They, well, they break the fight up a Just little bit. Just skip the whole movie. I normally don't tell people to skip a movie, but I would say this is kind of for completists only. Like, if you're a, a, a sci-fi completist like we are, then you're probably going to watch it. Because like we um, said, it's the more... A, a dinosaur film completist. Sure. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Or if you're a James Arness completist, sure. you know, you're a huge Gunsmoke yeah. fan. Um, and you just want more of that tasty Matt Dillon, then <laughs> exactly. Then you can watch the lot. Then you can watch Two Lost Worlds. Uh, but other than that, I would say skip it. If you're a Peter but, Graves fan and you want to make sure you watch all the movies that his brother was in, go ahead and watch this. I have a, a really uh, big question for you because um, maybe I missed something. So I want to see if you picked up on it because uh-huh. I've seen this movie three or four times okay I actually own used to own it on DVD <laughs> um how many lost worlds are in this movie right it says two but how many are actually in I, it I don't know one <laughs> where was the other lost world is what I'm saying because there is only one is our world one of the lost worlds <laughs> Yeah, I don't get the title at all because there is only one Lost World, and it's obviously a nod to the story, The Lost World. Like, may- maybe but, when the volcano erupted and it split the ground, it became two Lost Worlds? No. I don't, That's a stretch. Is it? It's not Islar, Islar uh, Site B, like in Jurassic Park or anything like that. No. It's just an island. No. With a volcano. False advertising, folks. Yeah. There is only one lost world in this movie. I do want to say, I do think the head pirate looks like a real bootleg Orson Welles. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but every time I saw him, I was like, is this Orson Welles just slumming? No, I can see Um, that. the, The one thing that made me so mad in this movie, other than it's boring, is that, like, I have no problem believing they land on an island of dinosaurs and all that. That's fine. I can go with that. But what I do have a problem believing is that two trained sailors would neglect to tie their boat up after they landed because (laughs) so it just floats away. They sort of land, they go for a walk and come back. Oh no, the boat's gone. (laughs) You guys didn't think to secure the boat. You're sailors. I mean, there was no, there was no pier or anything, so yo, they didn't throw down they an pull anchor. pull it up on the beach. They're marooned there because they don't secure their boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. I couldn't remember if they were banished there for something or not. No. But... Remember, they get in the big pirate yeah. fight. Okay. And they're the only survivors. Which is kind of cool. I, I will say the pirate fight is kind of dope where they're like yeah, shooting it's into the, the highlight water. of the movie. Easily. And it's from what I can remember from another movie completely. So maybe find that movie and watch it. Other men armed, Burley? Hi, Captain Hackett. You men know why we're here. We haven't boarded a vessel in a long time. I want to see the decks of the Phantom loaded by dawn. Man the sail. Bail up. Bailey! I think I read that some of the pirate stuff is from another film, um, some of the action. But, like, there's parts where the, the pirates 
the pirates are like swinging under and the, they're like infiltrating the other ship and the action's kind of good. You know, it's not bad. Yeah. Captain Caution. Captain Caution is the name of the uh, movie they took the uh, pirate stuff from. So I was correct. Captain Caution. <laughs> Maybe we got, got to watch that. Maybe because it was uh, actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Sound. Oh, well. <laughs> Which is all Two Lost Worlds has going for it is that part of its footage was nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound. So exercise Captain Caution when you go to watch Two, two uh, Lost Worlds because... A yeah. A.K.A. One Lost World. One Lost A Lost World. Yeah, it's pretty shitty, folks. We, we don't like to shit on movies, really, because we love all this stuff. We want to talk about it. Yeah. And right away, we're like, yeah, this one kind of sucks. Flying Saucer sucks. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, because I did kind of get... Watching it again for this podcast, I remember like, okay, yeah, this this pirate ship stuff's at least interesting because stuff's moving. Because yeah, nothing and else has been the rest <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, the love triangle is insufferable. Oh, it's terrible. The daily day-to-day -day drama of him on the island is boring. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the Lost World. That that first one with the where they're. I don't know. No. Yeah, it's because there's it's inhabited by it's, people. Yeah, it's not lost there's at all. There's a town there. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's sheep and stuff. <laughs> They're on Australia, although nobody has an Australian accent at no, all. No, not at all. If the Americans were fired upon by the same pirate ship that raided our colony last year, then we might be in for more trouble and soon. Well, men, Magistrate Jeffries is on his way right now to Brisbane to request the governor's help. I just saw the American ship and she's ready to sail. Now, if any of you men are afraid, get out. But if you're the men I think you are, you'll stay. And you'll forget this nonsense and get back to work with the rest of the men. Let me have those shares. Yeah, I think we better stay. Maybe it's one and a half lost worlds. No, I just think it's one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I your guess is as good as mine because there's no fucking reason for this to be called Two Lost Worlds. They couldn't call it A Lost World because there was already The Lost World, so yeah. Two Lost Worlds. You know, so this is it. This is this was the first science fiction film released in 1951. Now, James Arness will make an appearance in, a, in another in one a, this In year. a big way. So, so James Arness... We forgive you for Two Lost Worlds. Yes. Because you more than make up for it coming soon this year. Very much. I do have a question for you, though. Yeah, yeah. So what would you think is is more insufferable, this or the flying saucer? This. Yeah, I would agree. The flying saucer. As empty is, as is that is. Pretty, <laughs> it's boring, but I don't consider it insufferable. Whereas there's so many of the subplots in this one that are just so annoying to set through. And again, not e I can't even like, oh, cool dinosaurs because they're not, they're just real animals being tortured. Yeah. So it's like, there's nothing really at all. <laughs> it's hard to get joy out of that. Yeah. There's nothing really to say about this that other than that pirate battle at the beginning, but, or at the, in, in the middle, but I didn't sign up to watch a pirate movie. Exactly. Based on the poster, I. Those are some cool looking dinosaurs on the poster. Yeah, they're not in the movie. I wanted that. 
Yeah. Now, if the pirates had so, landed on, if the pirates had landed on the island and fought the dinosaurs, you might have an awesome movie. Yeah, fine. But none of the pirates survive. No. Only like four of the good guys, like two men, two women. I there, I think there isn't there a little girl too. Yeah, I think and so. um, they basically just oh, you know, it's a lot of we need water and and then it's pretty much. Look out! What's that? And then rah, here comes mm-hmm. the iguana, and there you go. Yeah, that's it. Everybody's asleep at the wheel here. Yeah. Um, and I, I got nothing. No, I got nothing else on this. Uh, so sorry. 1951 starts with a sputter. I, I maybe kids loved this back then. Like, I doubt I it. I can imagine if you're like five or six years old, it might seem fun because it's there's You'd be bored to death before you even got to it you the kids would be outside riding their bikes before any dinosaur showed up so hey if you're listening and you were alive in january of 1951 and saw this movie hey tell us what it was like man and you're like the hell with you guys that's my favorite movie tell us why yeah or tell us what it was like at the theater tell us what it was their excitement in the air as you waited in line for your tickets i doubt it but you never know. Out of a movie that's this completely boring, um, I would say almost there's a couple stories that are like way more interesting than anything in the movies. But like right. the director, uh, I keep wanting to say it's Vincent Dawn because that's no. uh, that's a uh, oh Vincent Dawn is Bruno Mattei. No, I get that. Because but what's what's the director? No, you're talking of t- about Norman Dawn. Norman Dawn is it Dawn? Yes, like Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Um, Norman Don came from like the world of special effects. None of his movies are really noteworthy, but I guess he was really well known for the fact that he's in all the books pertaining to matte paintings because he pioneered the first on glass matte painting in his one of his films. So oh, okay. that's kind of weird that he this movie and this is like late in his career. This is like two or three before he kicks it, you know, so what two lost worlds? Yeah, and okay. so he he but if you he was a real he was real fit. It was like if Rick Baker it was like if Rick Baker directed a a movie that was a, a a couple stinkers and then you know like but he was known for being this guy. He directed just basic movies, but he was an effects genius. Like Stan Winston. Yeah, but Stan has, Winston. Stan no, Winston no, no, no. directed a stinker. Yeah, no, no, no. That's true. That's well. I kind of like Gnome Name Norm. I gotta say, uh, <laughs> it'll remind you why Anthony uh, Michael Hall was funny at one point. Is stuff in that? It's right in that. It's Michael Anthony Anthony Michael Hall that we loved, versus it's like right in the middle before he became the fucking douchebag from from Edward Scissorhands. I almost said Eraser Hands. Man, that's that a hot the sequel. That's a hot crossover. Anyway. I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. I thought that was more interesting than um, anything in the movie. But I got to say, the woman in the movie is, she's 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 listed as Laura. You're talking about Casey Rogers? Yes, but her, na- her stage name that she used in these early movies was something else. It was like Laura something. But then she became Casey Rogers. And she was, she was Casey Rogers because she was so athletic that like she could pick up the baseball and like knock it out of the park so that's why she got her nickname Casey cuz like Casey oh, okay. at bat the mighty Casey at bat for the record or strikes her name out was, or whatever 
Huh? Her name was Josie Imogene Rogers. No, but then her stage name was something else. No, but I'm saying that's what she was born as. And, yes. Yeah, but what was her stage name? Her um, stage name was Laura Elliott. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's what I was asking. Anyway. I know. Um. Okay. Uh, she's... A woman. Kind of interesting because... Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Casey Rogers. Anyway, Casey Rogers. She's in... Kind of my favorite, one of my favorite Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock movies, and that's Strangers on a Train. Casey Rogers is part of that scene that, uh, well, when we saw it, it was it was because it was shown on the documentary. Uh, it was like a theatrical documentary called uh, Terror in the Isles that came out. It was just a bunch of horror clips, and most horror fans have seen it. Um, but it had the the scene where she's running away from someone at the carnival, this woman, and uh, played by Casey Rogers, and she gets to the front of the camera, and all of a sudden there's light on her face, and it's just a zippo with a hand holding it. And he just calmly asks, oh. Is your name Miriam? Oh, yes. How did you... <laughs> and then, like, the light goes out, and all of a sudden he starts <laughs> strangling her. Man, yeah. how, where, where do you put that in Hitchcock? Well, just real quick. Strangers on a Train is what is probably in my top... It's definitely in my top ten. I'm trying to think about my. Does top it make five? five? Does it make top five? Okay, number one favorite Hitchcock film is Rebecca. Um, oh really? And then okay. Strangers on a Train's up there because I I also put Rope, Shadow of a Doubt, Trouble with Harry, The Birds, Psycho, and <laughs> basically oh, and one third of his movies. Man who knew too much original. I like most of them. Me too. I even like the skin game. So just shut up. I can't tell you where on my list of Hitchcock. No, I respect that because <laughs> I, I'm a disciple. I get it. But uh, no, I'm with you. Strangers on a Train is is great. And it's because of Robert Walker. He's so yeah. creepy in that. And he died like. Yeah, I love, but I'm a big Farley Granger fan too. So Yeah, he, well, he's good because he's in Rope. Yeah, but I, I like him a lot, so. Robert Walker, like, he died shortly after that, and his kid grew up to look almost just like him. And they have the same acting styles and everything, but he was Charlie X in Star Trek. He was in Son oh. of Blob, the kid in Son of Blob. He, that's him. Yeah. And he's he's just like his dad. But anyway, that movie's great. We, I, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, yeah, that scene is, like, iconic. But the other wild thing about Casey Rogers is... She's in Bewitched. She took over for the woman that played Larry Tate's wife. And I love that because I love Bewitched. But this is how outrageous this next part is, is because I, that I wouldn't even spend the next five minutes talking about Bewitched because I love Bewitched. But she started, like her son wanted a motorcycle in 1970, like early 1970s. And she got him one. She got interested and they both became motocross racers. So, so like oh, at wow. 50 years old, at 50 years old, Casey Rogers like pioneered female motocross and raced <laughs> like on a dirt bike, dude. What am I doing? You know what? That's what I thought. I was like, holy crap. And yeah, she like retired. Like by the time this airs, I will be 50. I haven't done that. Yeah. I mean, I've gone to space, obviously. And I've built little robots, but I didn't invent Well, robots. yeah, I mean, but, you know, there's a lot more stuff on the list besides space travel that I want to do. So, pff. 
lot of those people back then had such interesting lives. Uh-huh. Like, oh, like her and, um... The, the Well, there was obviously Haiti Lamar, who pretty much invented satellites. Yeah. And then we have Veronica Lake, who was a pilot. Like, she flew mm-hmm. her own plane. Like, it's just like, you never know... Yeah, they did all these other things. I mean, I know we've got that now because people like John Travolta and Harrison Ford fly planes, but it's just <laughs> yeah. you never thought about back then. But they were doing other stuff like dude, outside of movies. Dude, and- Ingrid, Ingrid Pitt was captured by the Nazis with her father and her father was a scientist and he smuggled her away that she got away from Germany and swam across like some fucking sea, like an actual yeah. like body of water that was huge got to america became like a bullfighter at one point and like yeah got or not got to america but to england and and yeah like amazing life that's it's insane yeah um but anyway i thought the casey rogers thing was wild like i just yeah motocross who knew Uh, it's amazing because it's in such a, a mundane lame movie that's the most interesting story that could ever have come out of Two Lost Worlds is discovering that about her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any awards? <laughs> oh, this movie has absolutely no awards. Yeah. No awards were given for this movie at all. At least Michael Conrad got an award from us. No stars, Ryan? What do you, what do you give this movie? Oh, I I give this movie one star. One star. It's, it's just a one star. One star. Do you go lower? Do you go lower than one star? Do you give a half star? Yeah. To anything. One star basically means I didn't like it. Like that's just as simple as that. I didn't. But like but it. have you? Will now, you go if, lower if, on a movie? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. Half star means I hated it. Like, there's a difference between I didn't like it to I fucking hated it. Okay. Um, and you didn't hate this. No, no, yeah, there's not enough to it for me to hate. That's true. Um, and you'd be surprised, like, me actively hating a movie is, it may even be a four-star movie on the surface, but I just fucking hated it, so it's half Where you star. find it offensive or so you know something, I mean? something like... I find it offensive that it exists, yeah. and that I had, that I actually took the time to watch Okay, it. so I can understand, um, this is a one-star s- movie then. Yeah, it's just a one-star movie. It's just, it's bad. Uh, no reason for it to exist. No reason to watch it. Um, other than the aforementioned completist. And I am one, so that's, of course, why I yeah, I bought it. Yep. I bought it when I saw it at Best Buy one day, and I watched <laughs> it on DVD a couple times. And so I wouldn't, I, I, you know, I wouldn't sell it either. <laughs> so, I no, don't know what that I means about keep me, it. but all right. No, I would still own a copy yeah. of it just to have a live. I like having a library of all these movies. So whether or not I like them or not, I still. You know what I've been doing lately? What, Rick? I don't know why, but watching a lot of like videos of people shredding shit. <laughs> I shred all the time. I do that. But there's people like throwing. I mean, there's a whole channel with just the sh- like man versus shred or shredder versus this. And they put googly eyes on the shredder. Um, and then they're just like shredding keyboards and badminton panel paddles. And it's like anything. Yeah. And I just, I find myself watching it a lot. Yeah. Every time I see one of the videos, there's something about I love it. those things. 
it's like trying to figure out what isn't going to shred like what what has a surface that can bobble along and like keep it keep away from being shredded forever and you kind of start to root for that thing well i hope and then something catches and then down it goes well i hope our spaceship is made of whatever that material is yeah exactly because that's that's what's like traveling in space it's like going through a giant shredder you never know of darkness tiny little rock could just destroy everything tiny starting to lose it man tiny little space pebble well no wonder you're losing it because look at the last two movies we've talked about so all right no we need some excitement out here in the luxaproteus well but not too much excitement i can't offer you any excitement but this isn't i I was uh digging through my um papers that i brought aboard the ship and i found a printout of some old movie reviews i wrote back in the early 2000s uh you may remember i was uh, a movie critic for an online magazine called no five magazine Apparently, one of the movies I reviewed, this was back in around uh, sometime in 2003. Uh huh. And one of the movies I reviewed for them was Two Lost Worlds. Ah, uh, really? So, <laughs> um. Did you remember that? I kind of had it in the back. I mean, that's. I knew I'd written about it before and seen it before, obviously. I mentioned that, but. I didn't know I still had the review. So, this is my thoughts on Two Lost Worlds when I first viewed it about 20 years ago. So let's see if anything's changed, shall we? Lights, please. Two Lost Worlds, reviewed by Ryan Liskey. I love dinosaur movies, I really do. More specifically, I love old dinosaur movies. You know, the ones they made before they figured out how to animate dinosaurs on a computer screen. The ones where they used to either claymation or puppets, or they just caught a couple of lizards and taped cardboard fins to their backs. I collect these things, man, and when I saw this DVD at my local movie store, sitting in the cheapy bin for only eight bucks, I thought, hell, this is already worth it. Well, it's not. As far as dinosaur movies go, old and new, big budget or small, this is just about the most flaccid, dull flick you can imagine. I know it was made half a century ago, but that's no excuse. King Kong is older than that, and it still kicks some ass. No, this movie is limp from the get-go. You see the cover with our hero and heroine fearfully watching his two feral behemoths duke it out against a fiery volcano- volcanic landscape, and you think, holy wow, this is going to be a good one. Nope, not even close. And here's the absolute worst part. The movie is only 71 minutes long, and the dinosaurs don't even make an appearance until exactly 45 minutes and 42 seconds into it. I paused it and wrote it down, just so I could tell you. What kind of crap is that? Adding insult to injury, once they do appear, they are nothing but an alligator and an iguana with dumb cardboard fins taped to their damn backs. They wrestle around for a couple of minutes and then they're gone. And then pretty much the movie ends and you sit there shaking your head telling yourself being a fan of these movies is great and all, but sometimes even you have standards. So it's about 55 minutes of dull pre-atomic age 50s melodrama, whatever that means, two or three minutes of prehistoric landscapes and volcanic apocalypse, and two reptiles going at it in an age before the ASPCA or PETA had anything to do with anything. I won't even tell you the plot because you won't care. If you want to sit through this, fast forward to the 35 minute mark and you'll be treated to a neat little pirate ship battle. Although the action is so confusing, I doubt you'll be able to discern 
I doubt you'll be able to discern who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. After that, flip ahead 10 minutes, watch the reptile, watch the reptile rumble, and then use the DVD for a beer coaster. I love dinosaurs, man. The cheesier the better, but this is just stinky bad. Boring, stinky, bad, if you really must know. And generally, I can take stinky and I can take bad, but boring? Nothing can save boring. I wish you would have found that review before we had to sit through it again. Because <laughs> that's pretty on point, so... So in 20 years, nothing has changed. 20 years has gone have gone by, Rick, and that's how long Two Lost Worlds has been a part of my life. And it has given me nothing. Well, it's got to be in there for a reason. It's lasted 20 years. Maybe that's its power, because you forget about it, and then you got to watch it again every 20 years. It's power. It's like Jeepers Creepers. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see you when I'll see you when we're 65. Yeah. <laughs> again, Lost Lost World. We'll talk about it again. And if it's like that, uh, we've that doc. We've got a date with destiny. It's like the Before trilogy or the movie Boyhood. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to check back every couple, every 25 years yeah. and then edit it into like a trilogy. See what we're doing. I bet you when we're like 85, it'll be like, I don't know what I was thinking. I love this movie. I know. <laughs> just, you know, I'll turn to Scatman Crothers where they asked him, what was it like working with uh, Danny Lloyd, the actor? And he just stone faced and starts to tremble and tears well up. And he was like, it was wonderful. <laughs> I, it was wonderful. It was like walking with my son. Leo, that's what it will be. It's like two lost worlds. It's it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's just just, just to see a, a fucking movie again. <laughs> I love it. That's what's gonna happen. All right. Let's end on a lively note, if we can, and play my my newly invented game. So far, nobody's rose to the challenge yet with the uh, six degrees between Conrad Mickle and Cynthia Rothrock. <laughs> Wait a minute, Rick. Guess what? One of my little robots, Weeshwash, just delivered something to me. We do have an answer to the Cynthia Rothrock, Mickle Conrad, six degrees game that I proposed last oh. episode. Way to go, um, Weewash. We, well, he, he didn't do it. He delivered me the no, message. No, but he delivered, it, he delivered it fast. No, Weeshwash is pretty fast. Woosh is a little slow. It's Weeshwash, Woosh, and Wiggy Wiggy. Okay, those are yeah. the robots. Just, the three of them? Um, you haven't Woosh, seen and them. Wiggy you never Wiggy. even come over and visit my side of the spaceship. So, hey, apparently, we got a duplex spaceship, man. We're like Three's Company in space. Yeah. Yeah, in space, we've got an upstairs robot, Mr. Furley, that comes down. <laughs> yeah. So, apparently some dude back on Earth named Brad, uh, Toriano, I think, is how you pronounce his last name. Um, he, believe it or not, he connected Mikkel Conrad to Cynthia Rothrock in three movies. Three. Three. Okay, now I did it. I did it myself, but it took me four. Okay, so yeah. let's hear Brad's first. Ready? Yep. Okay, Mikkel Conrad is in Godzilla King of the Monsters with James Hong. Woo! Okay, James Hong 
is in Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yeoh. Yep. Michelle Yeoh was in Yes, Madam with Cynthia Rothrock. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so I, what did we say he wins? He just he just got it. It was us saying his name on the air. And, oh, yeah. No, we're we're going to take and we'll take the transcript of this and put it on the moon or oh, Mars that's or right. something. No, that's it right. was Neptune. When it, well, when we I had said Mars it. because it'd be next to your name. Right. But OK, now here's where I got. Here's what I did. OK. And for the record, I ver they the Weeshwash verified this, and Brad did not use IMDb or Letterboxd. He actually did this from memory, as did I. Okay, yep. so I just want everybody to be clear that this is how dorky we are, that we just got this out of our own heads. Okay, but here's mine. Yep. Mikkel Conrad was in Take One False Step with Shelly yeah. Winters. Oh my God, sweet. Shelly Winters was in Delta Force with Chuck Norris. Oh my God. Chuck Norris was in Invasion USA with Billy Drago. Put a pin in that. Billy Drago was in Lady Dragon with Cynthia Rothrock. Take that, Brad, even though you won. Now, listen. Did you do it too? No, but okay. I connected it I connected her to Richard Gere. Go for it. Cynthia Rothrock is in Lady Dragon 2. I thought it was 2, but it may have been the first. Right. Billy Drago is in The Untouchables with Sean Connery. Sean Connery's in First Night. Wow, yeah, Billy Drago is in The Untouchables. Yep. He is such a bizarre actor. I know, but he's great in The Untouchables. Just that little no, scene he has is the creepiest shit. He's great, but he's shit. so weird. Yeah. He's so weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if I was that weird, I'd be in movies. I mean, that's what the 80s needed was the henchmen that were weird. You didn't have to have, you didn't have to be hot or nothing. You just had to be weird. So, all right. That's where you guys see what a small world Hollywood is. That within three movies, you can connect Mikkel Conrad of <laughs> yeah. Flying Saucer fame with Cynthia Rothrock. Um, so, hey, good job, Brad. Good job, me. Good job, you, Rick. Okay. So, Rick, we have our first uh, viewer comment, letter, letter. Do okay. they call them letters? Our first viewer mail. A um, listener space? mail. <laughs> no, it's a transmission. It's a transmission. Uh, it's a communique. Uh, the name is Anastasia Perkins. Okay. Wrote us a, a letter. Okay. Uh, a little fan letter. Dear Space Saucer Guys. Pretty cool show. Ricky, you are the goat. <laughs> oh my God. Like, Merry Christmas and Happy Valentine's Day to my ears. That's how much goat. <laughs> right. Ryan is okay, but he needs to smile more. Anyway, keep going. Not sure if you guys know this, but there's lots more movies in the 50s, and you need to talk about them, but I'm worried you're so old you might die in space before you get to 1955. Please at least get to 1955 before you die. Thanks. I mean, that's a real thought. Yeah, we think about that all the time, so thanks. Yeah. But you see, we're in space, so we, we age slower in space, so... That's all we've got to say about uh, the flying saucer and two evil eyes and uh, three sheets for Todd sheets. Three on a meat hook is what we just watched. Uh, two lost worlds, whatever. We are 
moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. Good to go with that one. Yes, it was these courageous Yankee seamen who conquered the dangers and the hardships. Men like Kirk Hamilton, who carried forward the dream of a nation and remade the plans of destiny to fit their own dreams. Dreams of home and hope and happiness in a new world of the future. A new world just over the bright horizon. It's a treat you can't beat. This is Rick, and on behalf of the crew of the Lexaproteus 4, I just wanted to say thank you. The importance of you listening to our show is of extraordinary magnitude. So please like, share, talk about it to your friends, post a comment, anything you'd normally do on social medias. You have our gratitude. And a very special thanks out there to Cadet Joe Whitaker, who helps the Unidentified Flying Podcast cruise smoothly through the galaxy. Once again, smash, hit, whatever the kids say, all the like buttons, and help us defeat Algorithm, the Dark Lord of the Universe. We'll be off next week for the holiday, but the mission will continue two weeks from today when we meet Mr. Drake's Duck. You didn't tell us you had a sister. Well, why didn't you bring her along? Is she older than you? Yes, but you wouldn't like her. No? No, she's big and fat and knock-kneed. And, uh, bull-legged and ever so silly. Well, I'm not so particular. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs>